is Christine Conti, and you are listening to best-selling author of Split Second Courage. What if your fears were the key to your dreams? That's right, everyone. Available on Amazon right now as an ebook or paperback. Grab your copy today and unleash your inner superhero. What is holding you back from living the life you truly deserve? It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We need to record the outtakes. Or, you know, the, the Brian off-mic was conversations. just upset because no one's ever slipped him a Mickey. <laughs> Before in his life, most people are like, I'd rather not be drunked. But <laughs> Brian's kind of like, well, not that I would want to, but I nah, just, well, you know, the thought that counted, right? Apparently, I guess, yeah, I guess I just wasn't, uh, Mickey material. <laughs> Mickey material. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> they didn't terrible. want to waste it on me. Terrible. Uh, terrible. Right. Horribly terrible we considering have, the topic. <laughs> no, we have such a good, listen, now that everyone is like interested. See, it's a hook. Brian's called a hook. That's right. When you're when now you're writing we, a story or starting something, you need a hook. Now that we have your attention. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now we have to introduce Dr. Greg. His name's actually Gregory Charlotte. But Dr. Greg is pretty freaking amazing. Um, he's coming to us from Atlanta today. He's lived all over. And he's got such a good story from being – he's an anesthesiologist by trade, but he's worked in Beverly Hills and then for top clients in Atlanta. And um, But that's not how I met him at a conference. And, you know, it's a very – it's a large part of his life. What, but a what small conference part were you at? Of, I was meant to ask. Um somewhere something in atlanta i don't know it could okay. have been Good i job. think it might have been scw um mania and he was doing um a speaking engagement um but when i started talking to him he was there actually talking more about anti-aging and nutrition and his he's a founder of the women's sports forum which involved i, I want to say what did he say um nfl the Olympians and LPGA and, you know, it was, it was really interesting how he has a dad of two girls and come stumbled upon this, I guess, niche. Well, I think that the, the one, you know, uh, offshoot of it was a, a program called soccer to C-suite, mm-hmm. you know, where they, they put together the relationship between girls who play sports and their future careers in business and you know, and there's a direct, there's a correlation to it. You know, the the kids that that or the women that rise to the top, and ninety percent of them, I believe, was the number that he says, is you know have have a history with playing organized sports and team sports, and and you know, there's some development to that that you know that is worth noting and worth pointing out, and you know, empowering the women or raising awareness uh, to the difference between men's and women's sports as far as. Uh, you know, not necessarily even just the quality, but availability and programs and things, you know, that that could be very helpful to a woman's whole entire life more than just their development as an athlete. So this is an episode that you need to kind of listen to because he gives you some really fantastic advice about, hey, there's there's resources out there that if you have a great idea and you're not really sure about 
you know, marketing or lawyers or trademarks or this and that, that there are people that you can seek that are there to help and empower you. And he's very much about women's empowerment, which, all right, man, there's nothing better. Hey. Woo! Let's talk women empowerment I all day your, long. I, I got love your it. back. I love got it. your back. All right, let's get on with this one here, everybody. Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone Podcast. Enjoy. Yet another fantastic day with the Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone Podcast. Brian, how you doing? I'm good. I'm ready, Christine. Dr. Greg on the horn here. Oh, I love it. Hey, Gregory hey, hey. Charlotte, how are you? Excellent. Excellent. How are you all doing? Always chaotic and crazy, and that's exactly how we like to live. I I always want to know where where our you know our our uh, guests are from or where they are, but I heard a y'all in there. So mm-hmm. tell us where are you, Doctor Greg? <laughs> well, right now I'm sitting in my car <laughs> and uh, outside of uh, one of the suburbs of Atlanta. But I've kind of been all over. I grew up in Southern California. I lived in Northern California for a long time. Moved back down to Southern California. Then we moved to Texas. I think that's where the y'all came from. <laughs> and then out here to Georgia, we tried, tried to pick up a few uh, few terms along the way. Ah, I like a good colloquialism. I love it. Oh, please. We're from, Jer- we live in Jersey. <laughs> it's Jersey. like the things that Talking people say out here. Yeah, right. Oh my goodness. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty insane. Well, so I always say, Dr. Greg, people don't just fall on our airwaves, on our episodes, that we had a chance to actually meet, and I apologize for Christining you. I'm sure, you know, that's kind of what I do to people it's a sometimes. Verb. Um, but we were at we were at a conference presenting, not together, but presenting at the same conference, and we happened across paths, and I'm like, hmm. What do you do? What do you do? You know, and and I love, love what you have kind of created, the path you have taken. I mean, you are obviously a doctor, and we'll get into that in a second of what you do, but you do a lot with empowering women, and I just happen to be a woman who loves to talk yeah. about empowerment. And it is fascinating that you you know, have moved around and you're such an advocate. And I think that our listeners hailing from around the world need to hear a little bit more about Dr. Greg. So that is really exciting that you're here today. And I would love for you to tell our audience, number one, what the heck do you do? You know, it's funny because my parents asked me that too, and I'm not entirely sure how to answer (laughs) that. They, They keep asking, what are you doing? But I do a number of things. I, as you mentioned, I'm a physician. I'm an anesthesiologist for kids by training. So 
some part of my time. So I still do anesthesia. So I work uh, in the operating room for kids and adults that need surgery. I, lately, I've been doing a lot of adult plastic surgery. So um, <laughs> interesting story. Uh, I, you know, I did a lot of plastic surgery uh, in Beverly Hills, which is one of the premier places for it. And then now I'm doing a lot of it here in sort of a ritzy part of Atlanta. So it's it's kind of funny, you know, like you, you always hear these stories of people who fly in, you know, to get some plastic surgery thing. They stay at some exquisite hotel. They, they get their nose done or something and they fly out. That's a real thing. So we, a lot of the influencers you see out there, they've had plastic surgery done. I, I could tell you. But on top of that, <laughs> I've, I've been focusing on, like you said, I've, I've very much interested in sort of women, women's issues, women empowerment. Uh, we, co-founded this thing called the Women's Sports Forum. And the goal there really was to help women athletes and sort of by extension, women overall uh, get more recognition and attention for the great work that they're doing. And that led to kind of the main project we're working on now, which is called From Soccer to C-Suite. And the goal there is really to help girls be successful. I mean, no doubt about it. It's it's such a area that is in need of just awareness uh first and foremost and then change you know i I think is 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 the best way that i could put it uh how did you i mean you're not a woman right see i was gonna ask you so what (laughs) what qualifies you this Uh is the best question Uh no so i mean what and what what is it that brought you to this topic what is it that that draws you to it well a couple things i mean as far as the women athlete goes, that actually started because when I moved to L.A. and I was working in Beverly Hills, I reconnected. I went to UCLA for school and I, I reconnected with athletes uh, that I had known from there when I moved back down there. And I, I'm really interested in nutrition. And we, we'll probably talk about that later. I'm into anti-aging nutrition and performance nutrition and everything. And so I was working with athletes. And while I was there, they were telling me that the women athletes really didn't get that much support i mean truthfully even the male athletes most of them didn't get much help when it came to nutrition and lifestyle but but the women athletes really didn't get much and so then we looked into it and we identified this is a real problem and there was a real kind of disparity and and how women athletes were treated and i'm sure you all remember that ncaa weight room scandal and 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 it really sort of brought the spotlight on the fact that women athletes are poorly treated and underappreciated and so that led to the women's sports forum and it turns out there's a number of people that had the same concerns i did and so we tried to do what we could with nutrition but also with psychosocial things you you know that simone biles and all kinds of women athletic leaders have been in the news lately because they've been open to their credit they've been open about mental health struggles and that's i think benefited everybody and so that's where that came from and the girls empowerment stuff that I'm working on. I mean, truthfully, I guess I have an ulterior motive. I'm a, I'm a dad of two daughters. In fact, I've got one sitting behind me in the car now reading. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I want to, I want her to have as good a future as possible. And so it turns out there was this, when I was working with the women athletes, I stumbled upon this and it was really quite shocking. And I just want to share this with you. EY did this big study and they found that over 90% of C-suite women, senior executive women, over 90% of them played sports when they were younger. I mean, just this breathtaking correlation between girls' sports and future success for women. And so it made me think, you know, we all want 
you know, we all want to give women the best shot possible. We want more women leaders. But why wait till they're adults? You know, why why not intervene early if we can? And, and one of the best ways, truthfully, is is to get your kids to play sports. I I love it because we always have that Amen. ongoing yeah that Amen. that ongoing theme about sports and life lessons and everything that you know we we you know the the sport itself is just the smallest sliver of what you actually can get out of it. You miss some, I feel like you really miss something like just socially, you know, emotionally, your cognitive growth without that stimulation of what takes place, all of the different moving parts of being on a sport and being a teammate and being coached and how you react to, I mean, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I didn't win every game I played. <laughs> I didn't get perfect scores on everything you know, I did. That adversity, I mean, it comes at you from all angles. Uh, and, and, you know, you say to the C-suite now, is that, is that where you, you would say that the ultimate goal for a woman in, in the workplace should be? Is that, is that, do you think, I mean, are we also looking for, is it, is it across the board, um, you know, for doctors or, or for, uh, you, you know, scientists and things like that? I mean, do we see the same correlation with sports and, or is it just kind of the leadership role in business? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I mean, truthfully, I, I, I don't know that there's data on, say, youth sports and, I don't know, say, becoming a physician or something like that. I mean, in in some senses, the trend lines for women are, are good. You know, if you look at, say, college entrants, college graduates, things like that, women are actually doing quite well there. Uh, and, and even if physicians, women are doing quite well, I, I would say, in medicine. I mean, perhaps there's still more to go. But I think there are some areas where they're really being held back. And one of them, you know, is obviously is women's sports, but, but I think in senior management positions and in, in business, you really see a, a dearth of, of, of women leaders, despite the fact that there's no reason for that. You know, there, there's plenty of qualified, well-educated women, very successful, very smart, but they're not, there aren't a lot of women CEOs. So I, I do think that's an area that we can really improve on. Although obviously I'd be delighted to see more women, you know, go into engineering or be more women astronauts or any of those things. Sure. So talk to us about what you're doing now with writing and speaking, because that's, you know, it's one thing to, you know, be, raising daughters and now you're doing you know you're an anesthesiologist and now you're like oh you know what in my spare time i'm going to write and speak how did this come about what was you know when did this start well so it's an interesting story so i i love to write and and, and truthfully if i could do anything and i didn't have to worry about paying the bills or anything else i would probably just write and speak those are two of my favorite things to do I sort of had this vision one day of, you know, being on a beach in, in, in Maui, you know, with my laptop writing, writing my <laughs> next book, but it's probably a long way between here and there. But, but the, the writing actually started, I, I used to work for a large uh, hospital system in Northern California back when I was there. And they had this, this rule that you couldn't really do anything with your medical license. It wasn't working for them. Um, but I've always been the sort of person who likes to do different things. And I, I wanted to branch out. So I got into real estate, which I still love. And then I got into technology related to real estate, oddly enough. And I, as odd as it sounds, as a physician, I wrote a book about real estate technology. 
called Real Estate at a Crossroads. And I even had a few conferences that I I launched on, oddly enough, on PropTech, it's called. And then when I left this hospital chain, then I was free to do what I wanted. And I'd always been interested in nutrition and, and and I got into anti-aging, so I thought, well, this is great. So now I can finally write a book about a topic that I know something about and I'm really familiar with. And so that's what I did. And uh, I, that's why I wrote Why Doctors Skip Breakfast. And, and I was thrilled to write that. And I have all these other book ideas I can't wait to do. And I, I like speaking. I, You know, one thing I've been fortunate about, I don't know where this came from, but I've never been nervous about speaking in front of people. I mean, if you handed me you know, a microphone and put me in front of 10,000 people, I wouldn't have any stage fright. So I thought, well, you know, I might as well take advantage of that. And so I, you know, I got into speaking. But a lot of it, truthfully, is I think I'm just sort of restless and like to do different things. <laughs> no, we call Fair that. Enough. No, no, no. That is that's the term. Are you're a multi-potentialite? <laughs> Didn't I tell you? I think I really feel like I told you that when I met you. In person, multi-potentialite, write it down. The road could split in any direction and you could take it. You'd be all right. I I was just thinking, you know, I said, this is an interesting fellow here, Dr. Mm -hmm. Greg, that we have here. He's got a lot of interest and he's pursuing them. Uh, You know, most will get stuck in that one thing and have it identify them and and uh you know but here you are you're you're working for the good uh you know in 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 many aspects whether it's helping people with their real estate technology or uh you know uh, getting more women uh from soccer to the c-suite breakfast uh, breakfast yeah. don't you i'm dying to hear about the breakfast oh yeah dr greg what's the deal doctors are skipping breakfast what's going on well so i'll tell you so that first started so when i was back at this hospital you know, I, I, of course, I did anesthesia there. And it was a real tertiary hospital. So what that means is we took care of very sick patients uh, day in and day out. And, you know, things start early. But usually before the operating would start, the surgeons and the anesthesiologists, we'd all kind of sit around you know, drinking coffee, talking about what went on the weekend or something like that. And eventually I realized that, that pretty much everybody, they would drink coffee. Maybe some people drink water. But almost nobody ate. I mean, these are people that are going into battle, if you will, maybe with eight, ten-hour surgeries, very difficult, grueling days. But nobody was eating, and you know, I didn't realize it at first because I wasn't either. <laughs> but then it occurred to me: well, none of these people were practically. And then so I started looking into it, and that was right around the time I got into this anti-aging medicine. And and one of the big things now is that a lot of people believe, and there's some evidence for this, that if you fast, if you go a certain amount of time without eating, uh, and one of the ways to do that is called daily intermittent fasting, where you fast every day, uh, it may have tremendous health benefits. And so, and on top of that, it may help you think more clearly and everything else. So what's interesting is I think a lot of the surgeons and folks I was working with, either they knew this somehow or they stumbled upon it, and so that's where the title, Why Doctors Skip Breakfast, came from, is that so many of the doctors I worked with truly did skip breakfast. But ultimately, I think the, the whole idea is that if you're able to, for many people, fasting regularly is, is probably a healthy thing to do. Hmm. Now I'm, I'm just, I'm sitting back because you think of a lot of people, too, are are busy. Like, there's not a lot of time sometimes to eat and especially people going in and out of surgeries, you, you're seeing clients all the time. It's not like you're going to sit down and have a 30-minute, you know, 
relaxation meal where you're, you know, intuitively eating and whatnot. It's, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think all of this is, you know, there's some credibility and what works for certain people and what doesn't for others. But it it goes against the standard advice, Mm -hmm. you know, which is eat a hearty breakfast or, you know, eat breakfast like a king. What is it? Lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper. That was Jack LaLanne. I ha- oh really? Yeah. Was that? Huh. Okay. All right. Noted. So so what is so, the? You know, it's funny you say that. So I'll I'll tell you. So in truth, uh, it's probably better to eat breakfast and skip dinner. Hmm. Uh, and the reason I say that is, uh, your body probably does better if you sort of front load your calories. Mm-hmm. And and so I think. I, I heard that quote too, and I think whoever said that was on the right track. And there's also some benefit of going to bed on an empty stomach. You sleep better. There's some, some research on this. The trouble is, just from a societal standpoint, for most people, and, and certainly it was true for me, it's harder to skip dinner than to skip breakfast. You know, most people, you know, they have dinner with their family or their significant others or whatever, and you might feel like a bump in the log if everybody's out to dinner and you're just like sitting there sipping on a glass of water. So just sort of as a logistical matter, it's just easier, I think, to skip breakfast. But, you know, if you have total control over it, sipping dinner is probably the way to go. You know, I rarely wake up hungry, though. You know, I I, I, I often will, you know, you get hungry in the evening. It's about that time. You know, is that just the way that I've been wired (laughs) to, you know, is that just like my habits or is that... Something you know, I, I eat dinner mostly because I'm hungry at that time of day. Well, even if you think about our ancestors, I mean, imagine, for example, early farmers or even hunter gatherers. You know, they didn't have refrigerators where they could just wake up and roll out of bed and, and, and have like a nice meal. Mm. A lot of our ancestors they had to get their food, and so what would often be the case. Say you're living on a farm some time ago. You know, maybe you'd have breakfast. Uh, your early meal might be, say, eggs, for example. But you'd have to get the eggs. You'd have to get out of bed. You know, you're you're going, you're getting the eggs, you're collecting everything. So you're not eating until later in the day anyway. So I, I think in, in many respects, humans have evolved to eat later. Or if you're a hunter-gatherer, you know, you're, it's the same thing. You know, you, you, you would have to find your meal, which you wouldn't have, have a chance to eat until later in the day. So I, I think, you know, I think the idea that, like, you have to eat the minute you wake up is, is a fallacy. And it's just most people don't need to do that. I have, a, I have a, um, a kid, a son, who would rather not eat than actually put in the work <laughs> to gather food. And meaning gather, like, go to the refrigerator and maybe take something out and, you know, take out a spoon. And I'm like, so no? Too much work? It's it's really interesting. I, I've had you know? them say I'm that. Like, hmm. I'm hungry, but it's all the way over there. <laughs> right, right. So there's 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 also that that we're that we're fighting against. But um, what I want to what I want to ask you is so what is your what is your favorite thing now to talk about? Like you love speaking, you love writing. With speaking, what is the what's the draw? What you know really lights your soul on fire to talk about? Well, truthfully, the thing that I've really been interested lately, and it's it's related to this girls' sort of empowerment thing we're working on, is, is social impact investing. And this is actually we're not really focusing on it with our from soccer to sweet sweet project. Is there's a lot of people out there who have these great ideas about say how to help kids as an example, and 
you know, imagine, for example, there's a second grade teacher. She's around kids all the time. She knows kids very well. She's seen their struggles and she's come up with a really good idea for how to help them out. But, you know, she's a second grade teacher. So she probably doesn't have oh, a huge, a lot of, you know, huge amount of money in the bank. She may not know a lot of investors. Uh, she's probably not started a business before. She doesn't know about marketing and accounting and everything else. So she's got this good idea, but what's almost certainly going to happen to her is that the idea will wither on the vine and never see the light of day. And, and for me, I just think that's sad because we're not giving these potentially tremendous ideas an opportunity to take flight. And so what we're trying to do is create a, an environment, and we're, we're really starting here in Atlanta, although we hope that this will spread, uh, to create opportunities for people like this hypothetical teacher or, say, a, a founder from a disadvantaged background. We've worked with some founders that were homeless before, formerly homeless women who now are trying to start their organization. And what we're trying to do is to connect these these people, which I find these, these people very inspirational, connect them with people that can help them, whether they're investors or accountants or marketing people or lawyers or whatever, because they may not necessarily have access to that. But if they did, their ideas would really have a shot. I, I love that because, you know, like you said, it withers on the vine or worse, you share that idea with somebody and they just swipe it because you don't have the, you know, the, the wherewithal to protect yourself or, or anything with it. But, you know, it's it's like there's so many good ideas out there, but you just don't know where to start. You know, how do I do this? What are, You know, even if it's just a, a an idea or a product like, OK, I can go get a patent. How do I do that? You know, or, or, you know, now I've got information on it and I think it's a great idea and I've got it all worked out, but I'm a second grade teacher and I don't have mm -hmm. the dough. Uh, yeah. So uh, how do you, how do you go about helping them? How do you like, how, how what does success look like with that for you? I mean, have you been able to couple people with investors and, and, and work with them? Yeah. So actually, you know, interestingly, it's actually worked out really well so far. And here's the thing is, I think there's a lot of people that want to help. Uh, but most people want to stay within their lane. So, for example, there's a lot of lawyers out there, and, and they, maybe they want to make a difference, and they know a lot about law, but they're not necessarily looking to start a company, you know, and they're not necessarily at the time or the energy to learn about marketing and accounting or something, but they're thrilled to offer legal advice. So what we've been able to do, for example, is we've connected a number of, let's say, these women founders I was telling you about with lawyers, uh, and these lawyers have been giving them very useful advice, free advice, and, and they're, they're getting access to the, to the club, if you could put it that way, uh, where they, they're learning how to, you know, they're, they're, they got a lot of help. For example, we had this one founder, and she was doing these graphical things. I can't really explain. She was doing these graphical things, and, uh, and, and, and so she wasn't protecting her intellectual property correctly it's kind of like what you were saying so we had some lawyers there and they're like wait 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 a minute you're doing this all wrong this is going to get stolen or you're going to get sued and so just from this meeting she got tremendous personal advice from these lawyers and 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 so i think you know most people aren't part of the club you know most people don't have access to these types of people so we're trying to expand the club so more people do see the what you know, kind of in the same on the same line, the whole idea of our podcast was started because, you know, 20 years, even I sat back and looked at the fitness industry, put it that way. 
And unless you had, you know, millions of dollars in marketing budgets and you knew how to outsource your products and you knew about market, you know, it, I saw these great ideas and these great companies that could help so many people just fizzle away. And you're like, what happened to them? Or what was going on? Or, you know, these amazing bright lights of people. And that is, you know, one of the reasons why we have our podcast. Like, you're doing what you're doing down there. And it's, hey, we could, you know, maybe someone's going to hear this and say, oh, my gosh, we, we need to reach out to him. Maybe I'm in Atlanta. Maybe I'm not. But that's the whole idea of, you know, there's got to be people like you that say, hey, you know what? There's something that, that we can do. With with the platform we have, with the resources that we have, because Lord knows someone helped us at some point in our life to uh, to learn some things that, you know, that giving back only comes back to you. And I think that's so powerful. So kudos to you, Dr. Greg. Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, well, you take like social media as an example, you know, like, uh, I mean, I dabble in it, but I, I'm, I, I'm far from an expert. But, you know, you take somebody who knows a lot about social media and you hook them up with one of these founders, for example, and all of a sudden they're able to turbocharge their message. And I think there's a lot of people who may be very good with Instagram or YouTube or whatever that could help these struggling founders really get traction. And it doesn't take much uh, to make a huge difference. And so it's really kind of a win-win where where these folks, you know, they're into social media, but, but they don't know what else to do. And you've got the second grade teacher that knows what to do, but doesn't know how to amplify the message. And you just put them together. Yeah, we all need a little help with something, <laughs> right? Like, and that's the deal, you know, you kind of find the, find the peg to, to fit the, the hole. And, uh, you know, if it works out and you can help somebody in doing something that you already do and, and love and, uh, you know, provide your expertise, I think it's, I think it's great. How, uh, how, let me ask you this, um, with your, with, uh, the women's sports forum, who else is involved? How did you, uh, you know, do you have a large group with that? I mean, how's it going? So that actually, that was pretty fun. So what we did there is we teamed up with a number of Olympians and former Olympians, people from the NFL, LPGA, all kinds of different groups. And we've had, we had one big conference and then we've had a number of smaller follow-up conferences, a lot of kind of one-off events. And what we've done there is we've, we've tried to, I, I hate to use this term because it's overused, but raise awareness of issues that women are facing. And, and the thing, here's the thing that, that, that you don't think about. And truthfully, I didn't think about this. A lot of things that male athletes have to deal with, I mean, that women athletes have to deal with, male athletes simply don't typically. For example, if you're a, a football player, basketball player, a man, you're not so much worried about whether your, your sports career is going to impact your ability to have kids. Right. For example. Whereas if you're a woman athlete, you're thinking, well, do I really want to do this and, and delay having kids? Or should I have kids now and, and delay or potentially risk my athletic career? Or another thing that we found is that, you know, women, I mean, this is stereotyping, but it's, it's really generally true. Women more often take care of, say, older parents or sick relatives, things like that. So for a lot of women athletes, they're not only worried about themselves and possibly their kids, but they may also be worried about their parents, which, which is less of a problem for male athletes. So women, I think, often have more crosses to bear. And so, the question is, how could we work around this? How could we navigate around these things to give women the opportunities that they deserve? How could we make it so they're not suffering for the fact that they want to have kids or they have to take care of older parents? 
Do you the answer to that? Because I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm really curious. <laughs> helping, out a, a, helping out a parent. Well, I mean, as a, you know, a lot of this hits home with me as well as a, as a, someone who was a collegiate athlete. And, you know, obviously I did not go pro in anything, but it, you know, there is a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of challenges, I would say, you know, either way, um, that sometimes, I feel like sometimes, you know, women just don't, you don't think about it because you don't know. You don't know the other side. You just think that this is the way it is. And, and that I think is something in and of itself that, that is a problem. Well, I agree. I mean, I think part of it is, yeah, you don't realize that you're not the only one going through this, but a lot of people are. But, but truthfully, you asked for answers. There's, there's one thing that I'm, I'm hopeful about, which is, as odd as it's going to sound, I think social media here, in this case, might actually be a plus. Right. And I'll tell you what I mean. People like, and when I say people, I mean like the general audience, like a layperson, like myself. You like following people that you can kind of understand and relate to. You like a good story. I mean, that's what your podcast is all about, is a good story. And so it turns out, and this is borne out by data, women athletes disproportionately do well on social media compared to, say, television viewership of their games. And a big part of that is a lot of women athletes, they're just interesting. You know, like you, you see, like, again, like look at like Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, people like that. Right. They're interesting. You want to know about them. You want to know like how things are going with their family or, or, or you want to hear about their mental health struggles. They feel approachable. Like they, they feel in some way relatable. And whereas if you were to say, look at someone like Tom Brady, maybe it's a little different now with this divorce, but for a lot of people, you know, a lot of these male athletes, uh, you might admire their athletic skill, but, but you can't really relate to them in any sort of way. You, you know, their stats and, and that's about it. And so what's starting to happen, I think is that, that, that a lot of people are gravitating towards women athletes on social media because they're just so much more interesting and, and so much more relatable. So I, I think that that's one ray of hope. Yeah, I could, I can definitely see that. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the young, the young women, the young female, the kids, you know, they admire those athletes in their, you know, that are like them so much. I, I just think of the women's national soccer team more than anything. I mean, those fans are, mm-hmm. you know, those young girls are way into it. And, uh, you know, and those are heroes to them. And, you know, whereas boys, I have three boys. I, you know, they're, uh, my, my sons are, are 13, 10 and nine. And, and they have so many options when it comes to sports stars. And, you know, we watched baseball last night, you know, we were flicking back to the football game a little bit. And the night before that was baseball and basketball, you know, just kind of, you know, the Yankees are on and we were just, you know, going through all this stuff. And they, they just have so many more options and resources for finding, you know, that it almost waters it down. Whereas, you know, those, those, those female athletes, our heroes, whether it's the Williams sisters or, you know, Simone Biles, the gymnastics and, you know, those they're rapid, rabid fans. Right. Apparently you need to flip through collegiate volleyball a little bit more I, on your television. It, Brian. Well, that's one of the things. And, and um, I, you know, we had Kelsey Campbell on on the podcast and she's a, an Olympic wrestler female oh Olympic gosh. wrestler. Crazy. She was amazing, mm-hmm. but she was a barista while she was training to become an Olympic Olympian, you know, in Colorado Springs, U S you know, uh, training Olympic training center. Whereas the men, 
you know, had a forty, fifty thousand dollar sponsorship by one of the equipment companies or something that they didn't. She didn't. Have, they didn't have to be a barista while training to become an Olympian. So, I guess a, a question I have for you there. You know, is it systematic? Is it just circumstances? Is it, uh, you know, is it um, a lack of a viewership? You know, for women's sports. I mean, I know that that. that Women's basketball obviously doesn't get the ratings that 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 men's basketball does, and attendance, and you know, therefore they look at salaries as you know disproportionate to men's. And you know, what is it? Is is there a source of this? I mean, I, there are, of course, you know, like if you look at some of the biggest sports industries, it's obviously like the NFL and you know NBA and and major league baseball right so they they make the most money and so their players tend to make the most money on average and so that gives the men male athletes collectively like a big leg up but if you look at sports where you have a lot of male and female involvement in many cases the women do reasonably well not that we can't do better but but if you look at like tennis for example or golf uh, you know tennis i think is a great example i mean a lot of people are much more interested in women's tennis than men's um, if you look at gymnastics, granted, it's 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 not something that pays a lot of money. But if you look at interest, there's a lot of interest in women's gymnastics compared to men's. So I think part of it is just what sports they're in. Part of it is probably the way things have been. I mean, obviously, the more advertising revenue of something gets, the, the more money there is available to pay to the players. But I, I think that if I were advising women's sports leagues, I would encourage them to continue to spread these stories about what the women are doing like your example of of, of the you said wrestler right yes. your example of the successful wrestler who had to been the via barista that's very interesting and that's the type of thing that i think would appeal to a lot of audiences so someone like that if that story were spread you know i'm sure a lot of people would want to follow her on social media and and that's what leads to sponsorships and that ultimately because her story is compelling and people want to find out about that. It's different and it's relatable. You know, how many of us wanted to do something and we, and we had to be a waiter or a waitress or something like that while we were hoping to do something else. So it's a story that so many people can relate to. And so I, I would say if I were advising these athletic organizations, it would be to, to share those stories. Yeah. And I mean, that's the U S Olympic committee. Right. That's, that's, you know, and, and even, you know the women's soccer team is they're rock stars and they're out there fighting for equal pay and it's far from it i mean they that they, they took you know they went to court to get what they thought they deserved and and you know just because the disparity in in pay was so large between the women's team which you know are well known you know rock star athletes they're famous you know probably more so than the men they're more successful than the men Right, they sell stadiums out similarly worldwide to the men. The women's World Cup is extremely popular, um, you know, and and here they are. They have to go to court <laughs> to, to for their country. That's just here, right? Because of that. So, you know, I guess some of it is has to be systematic, no? Well, I think you know what I think is 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 helpful, and and we see this a lot. Is media in some ways is becoming more fragmented. In other words. It's easier now to watch whatever soccer game you want, whether it's men or women, wherever you want to watch it, than it would have been, say, 10 or 20 years ago. 
And now you can watch a lot of these things online in different venues. And so what I, what I think is starting to happen, there's some evidence bearing this out is, you know, before what happened is like some for soccer, you know, you can only have so many soccer games on broadcast TVs, right? So what happened is you'd have a couple men's games that would crowd out the women's games and people didn't necessarily hear about the women's athletes. You no, know, the women's soccer, as you mentioned, they become very, very famous now and very popular and they're getting some great sponsorship deals. So the sponsorship deals are starting to follow their celebrity. But I think as, as, as media gets more fragmented, I think I'm hoping it's going to open the doors to more women in soccer and the, across all sports where people are going to say, Hey, you know, I want to check her out, see what's going on with this sport and they can actually watch it. And so I think it will distribute TV revenue more broadly. So Dr. Greg, Please, please tell us. I'm curious as to what's coming with with everything that you talked about today. Your hand is in so many different pots. What what do you see in the next, you know, five or ten years? What what is the goal? Well, it's a couple of things. I, I, you know, I, I mean, to be truthful with you, I, I would really like to spend more time speaking because I enjoy doing that, and I. I feel like it's a great way of getting a message out, which is I applaud you all for what you're doing here with this podcast. And so my hope is that I'll be able to do that more and more locations and, and reach more different audiences. I, I really, really am hoping we could expand the social impact investing aspect of our From Soccer to C-Suite program because so many people are interested in it. And it's something that people can even do without money just by, again, if you're an accountant, just offering some accounting advice to someone who really doesn't know anything about accounting, like like me, for example. And so I, I would love to expand that. I think those are two of the big things I'd like to work on. My, my hope is just unrelated to anything we've talked about. I'm hoping eventually is to start writing fiction because I've always wanted to do that. And I just haven't done it. I, was, I, I started writing a children's book and I didn't finish that, but I would love to do that. I have, well, a, I have a feeling you're going to do all these things. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. Make it happen, Dr. Greg. You put it out in the universe. It's it's going to happen. I'm so curious. So you want to write fiction, children's books. Please tell, as a former English teacher and secret nerd, um, what, it's no, what's it's your- It's no secret. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So what what's your theme? Come on. What's your thing? Well, I, there's two things. One part of me wants to do something related to what I've been doing. So writing about, say, kids or maybe specifically girls overcoming adversity, you know, de- showing how they've sort of surmounted difficult challenges. I, I think that there's always room for more stories like that. It fits in with what I'm doing and I care about that topic. But but part of me would love to create just some sort of epic novel that isn't related to anything. It's just just for fun. Um, I feel like I'd love to do it. I haven't even thought about what the topic would be or anything because I'm convinced that it's not anything I'll be able to do anytime soon. I don't want to torture myself thinking about something I'm not going to be able to start anytime. Yeah, but it's something you could always be thinking about. That's the thing. You know, it's like you, you have a couple minutes and you're like, hmm, wow, that would be a cool character. That would be a cool storyline or plot twist. I'm not even writing a book right now, but I still have these things in my head that I'm like, "Ooh, that would hmm, that would be good in another book." Or, uh, you know, keeps your it keeps your mind going, it keeps you hopeful, keeps you looking forward. Oh my goodness! 
Um, in addition, what what's coming up maybe this year or in the next six months? Do you have um, more speaking booked at this point or what's going on? Well, so within the next year, the big focus is really on the social impact investing project. Mm-hmm. And so what we have is we've got a conference coming up in Atlanta in December then we have a few more, and then we're planning on having a major event around November of next year, like a major kind of conference, kind of like what where you and I have met, although obviously mm-hmm. it's a different topic. And we're really trying to bring together kind of the cream of the crop of, of Atlanta society and, and the businesses of Atlanta together to support these underrepresented founders. So so truthfully, the, the big thing I've been working on lately is is kind of meeting people within Atlanta who want to make a difference. And there's a lot of, truthfully, political leaders, corporate leaders, things like that, who who are looking to, to get involved. So I'm really hoping we can get off, that off the ground because I think that that has just a tremendous opportunity to to, to kind of do good. And, and, and it feels achievable to me. It feels something that we could realistically do. So I think that's probably the main focus. I mean, I'm certainly looking to continue speaking um i mean i'll I'll tell you and you probably have seen the same thing searching for speaking gigs unless you have a celebrity agent you know it's it's kind of a full-time job in and of itself uh it so it takes a lot of time it's one of the biggest problems i've had i'm sure a lot of people do i like to start ideas but it's hard to finish them and and something like speaking or even yeah most of these things truthfully there's a lot of follow through, a lot of details, stuff like that. So ultimately, you have to kind of ask yourself, how many of these things do I have time for? <laughs> and it's, it's hard, you know, yeah, I, I'm one of those people, probably a lot of people are, you have more ideas than you have time or energy to do them. So you have to kind of triage them. No doubt about that. My favorite is, you know, you th- you thought you were done with applications after, you know, college or grad school or med school or whatever. And then all of a sudden you were like, I'm going to be a speaker. And now you're filling out 8,000 applications because everyone needs something different from you about something. Yeah. I can't keep track sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, my there, we had a good friend who um, Carly got some email weeks ago and was like, Christine, I just got this thing that we're going to be that I'm presenting with you on something somewhere. <laughs> Did you enter our names? Did you apply for? And I was like, I have no idea. Can you please let me know when it is, where it is? I'm sure I did. <laughs> that's right. Like, Tell me where I need to be. Where, you know, what did I sign us up for? That's it. I'm like, you know, but it is. It's a lot. And, you you know, it's definitely an investment. And you have a lot to offer. And it's, you know, it's people like you that that are out there making a difference. So super appreciate what you're doing. Do us a favor. Tell our listeners around the world, where can they find more information about you, um, the books, websites, all of that fun stuff so we can share? Yeah, happy to. So the best way to reach me, truthfully, is LinkedIn. Gregory Charlotte, G-R-E-G-O-R-Y, Charlotte, C-H. A-R-L-O-P, if you just look for that. I do have a website, GregorySharlotteMD.com. If you are looking for a speaker, (laughs) like you were talking about, I'm happy to do it. I love doing it. Uh, And I am on Instagram, although I don't use it as much. I think it's GregorySharlotteMD is my Instagram handle. So those are all good ways. But, But LinkedIn is really by far the best. I love it. 
All right. Beautiful. This was a great conversation, Dr. Greg, and then uh, we're behind you with everything that you have going on. Uh, you know, I love what you're the stance that you're taking with the uh, with the kids and the women uh, in sports and and uh, moving them on, on up the chain uh, to uh, you know further success. Yeah, let us know how we can oh, best you. support you. We'll get this out to you know our listeners all over and. Yeah, keep keep being the change, Doctor Greg. That's all I have to say to you about that. Yeah, uh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed the conversation. You guys, you guys are doing great work. You asked some very good questions that other people haven't asked, so I like it. You kept me on my toes. There you go. Well, you know, we are the fit crazies. That's We're like halfway professional over here. Oh, stop! The only thing is, I will say, I'm looking at you guys here on Zoom. I know you can't see me. Because I'm wandering around a parking lot right now. My kids at a point. My daughter's at an appointment. Get those I see steps you guys have in. Two microphones. Right, we I got know. a couple. Two microphones here. I don't know. A little false advertising. Well, yeah, it's like the you know the, you go to a concert. I don't see it. Yeah. What? I'm hiding it for people who are not. We're from New I Jersey. I thought there'd be some kind of grudge match over the microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Arm wrestle. I'm afraid of her. So arm wrestling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid of me too. Don't so worry about it. She got the mic. <laughs> All good, Doctor oh, Greg. You know it's uh, a little play on an old song, so uh, we do have more, more than one microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, the truth comes out today. That's folks. right. You heard it here. <laughs> All right. With that said, all right, Doctor Greg, thank you so much. And with that, it is Christine Conte and I'm Brian Prendergast, and we are two fit crazies and the microphones. We are where it's at peace.